You're doing good? a good job. It looks great. Oh, are you are you you're praising our videographer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I just dissed him, so I figured <laughs> that's how we're gonna start the show. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's going down. What's up everybody? This is another episode of Pep Talk. You got myself, Big Pep. You got my co-star, Juan. Juan, I missed you, man. It's been Yo. a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a while. We haven't done one in a minute. I know, but in the last one we had, we had a uh, we had Coach Gabe, or Professor Gabe. Yeah. And, and Jordan uh took your Jordan spot. Jordan Harris took my spot. Damn. Fool. Well, I'm excited about this uh this pod, this episode, because we have uh actually my longest standing friend. We literally were friends since diapers, preschool, I believe at the age of three, four. Um, but if you're here in the 805 or you're from Ventura County, this person, you know him by one name, Nolan. Nolan Smith, Ventura uh, legend, uh, entrepreneur, manager of Super Duper Kyle. Um, gosh, where to start, man? Where to start? Basketball hooper. Turned entrepreneur, turned investor, just an all-around solid guy, family. Give it up for Mr. Nolan Smith, everybody. Let's go. Dude, I'm just happy to be here on the uh, pep talk. It's exciting, right? Yeah, I I love how well you do this. It's so cool. We've been trying to do this for a minute, for a minute, man. And I'm glad you're, uh, turn this off. I'm glad you're able to uh, sit with us. Dude. Just happy to be here, man. Yeah, <laughs> just, just happy to be here. We're, so, we're finally doing it. Sorry it took so long to, to figure it out, but it's all good, bro. So let's start from the beginning, man. We always talk about the come up, the stories, and this and that. But the story that you have is pretty amazing because I pretty much know it all. Yeah. You know, uh, we both grew up in Ventura, and I feel like you were born and raised in a basketball family. Yeah, that was pretty much uh, your whole your whole life or up to what about like 17, 18. Yeah, that was definitely my first love for sure. I, I think playing basketball and baseball growing up was was really my thing. Um, but yeah, and my, my dad played basketball. My older brother played basketball. And um, yeah, that was like that was my dream. That was my my first first uh, thing that I kind of my first passion that I just like poured everything into. Yeah. And I feel like I just kind of transitioned some of that energy to music business and creative industries and stuff like that pretty much directly after. It was like a direct transition, I remember. Um, but we before we get into that, yeah. because it's, cause I have so many questions before we get into that okay, point. Okay, and, cool, and, cool. And, and a big thing is when you were playing ball in, in Ventura, and mind you, you were another person who, if you guys have heard our prior podcast, you were on the planes with me when we were taking private planes at 15, going to Vegas and doing all that with the traveling basketball teams. How was that experience like for you? Oh, that's dope. That's really dope. Um, <laughs> People tell us all the time, like, no way you guys weren't on private, private planes. Like we were. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I actually have some cool like pictures and stuff on the, of us on the PJs when we were, when we were younger. And it's kind of funny because I think that that like, Parts of that, like, swaggy, like, lavish lifestyle, I obviously liked a lot. For sure. <laughs> and so I, I think there was part of me that always was like, how the fuck do we get back to that shit? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so um, I guess it just always kind of reminded me to dream big and stuff. But I remember coming back, uh, like, home from, from stuff like that, and my parents were like, 
you realize that's not like your life, you know? And I'm like, well, well why not? It kind like, of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. exactly. And, and, and that's where, like you were saying, like you were dreaming big. Um, I, I know, I know your parents and obviously they're, they're the shit, but when, when did, when did you start dreaming of something bigger, extravagant, but why, when did that become like a, why not me? Man. Um, or who put the, who instilled that in you? Yeah. I feel like I've always been pretty dreamy in general. Like I've always been pretty dreamy. I've always like been just so curious and like my parents would tell you that like I was five years old, like asking people like, how much money does this person make? Or like, what does he do for a living or whatever? Like I always got super deep at the beginning. Like, I think this is relevant because of like my sports background, but I was always like really interested in like sports business from the time I was tiny. So I was like paying attention to like how much money the players were making and like just paying attention to sports business from a pretty young age. I've actually not like gotten out of that and not as interested in that anymore. So there's people, I'm sure, as it's become more, like, publicized in the media, sports business, I've kind of, like, tuned out. But, yeah, I've always just been dreamy, and I thought, I always just kind of thought I could do it, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think part of me was always just, like, somebody, you know, these guys are doing it. Why can't, why not me, you know? I I remember, like, when I was 18, 19, and and I fell in love with just, like, underground music and like rap music especially and and then quickly the music business I started realizing like oh I think I can do this and basically I just started paying attention super closely and watching the players and then kind of figuring out where I could fit into it you know seeing who did what understanding marketing understanding brand building I was just kind of a fan of all of it and watching how really just like you know, obviously it's like my mantra being a student of the game, but just really being a student of the game and watching how people were moving and then just directly applying that to anything that was like in my sphere, you yeah. know? No, I get that. And, 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 be, and before you got to that though, I remember, especially when you were like the 18 to 24, you were in the trenches. You know what I'm saying? I remember, uh, you, obviously we all, we all grew up loving hip hop, uh, loving rap. But when you decided to get into, actually get into it, into like the, the workspace of it, it wasn't manager Nolan. It was assistant. It was go grab my coffee. It was Intern, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, interning, you know? Yeah. Roadie. I was like a roadie. Started yeah. out kind of as a roadie. How'd you, how'd you get your first placement as a, as a roadie? Oh, man. Um, so how I kind of... I got, as, as you know, Pep, it's funny because it's like some of this conversation is interesting because I'm realizing like, you know, my story like so intimately and I, I like, do. and some of this stuff is like, ah, oh, boring, whatever, but we'll, 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 we'll entertain the folks a little bit by telling <laughs> the kind of the or- origin story. Hopefully they care. Um, but basically I just got super into music blogs, like uh, most freshmen in college I got super into music blogs because I was discovering music that was like not mainstream, but was really fucking cool, really good. And I felt like I kind of identified with it more than like other mainstream shit that was out there. This was in 2008, 2009. So it was also a really interesting time in the music business as a whole. There was this like movement happening that was like all, all these like really talented artists were putting out free music via download, via music blogs there was no streaming 
there was barely even an iTunes store. I think the iTunes store was new. People weren't like, it was like this transition from CD to digital MP3. And a lot of the, the young cool people making music were just like putting it out via these blogs. And I was discovering a lot of stuff and sharing it with my friends and, and uh, like sharing it with you guys. And then we would, it kind of created a bond around us and we started getting in music together, getting into music together and sharing stuff. And so, but like through that, I just discovered a couple groups that I like really liked. And um, I was a big fan of Asher Roth and that's how I found out about Scooter Braun. And I just kind of saw how Scooter was like moving then. And I was like, I could kind of be like this guy, you know what I mean? Passionate about it, but also interested in the business, know how to build a brand and help an artist. And it just like seemed kind of cool, pretty sexy, like this is badass, you know? And so, but it really just was the passion for the music itself. And like this group called Pack Div, I was just such a fan of them. I thought they were so dope. They were kind of like a West Coast tribe called Quest, like modern day uh group and and like i just related to the music they always always they were always like referencing like 90s like sports yeah. <laughs> icons and <laughs> stuff like that and just like they were super cool and it, this was also at the beginning of twitter so i started following them on twitter and then i just would like kind of respond to their stuff and there was a couple times where i just was like built up the nerve to like slide in the dms and be like yo like i'm just such a fan of you guys i think i could help you like i care about you guys i want to see you guys win and I don't know what I can do to help, but I'm like willing to show up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and at that time, did you know like I want to be a manager? Or were you just like I just want I just want to get in the scene and just see see what I, what I can do with it. I think I wanted to be a manager because I think that what I did was I identified kind of like all the different roles in the industry. It was like I was 18 or 19. Um, I hadn't been like. I never really produced or wrote music at the time. I was always a fan of rap music, but I never was like making beats. I was just, we were focused on like working out, playing basketball, you know what I mean? Really in that, in the trenches with that. So I wasn't like 13 in my bedroom, like making beats. In fact, I got my first laptop when I was 18. So I didn't like have a computer that I had super close access to. Wasn't producing music. Um, But I've always been like super opinionated. So I kind of had like a vision for like, how I thought artists should roll music out or market music or story, tell their brand. Or I had an opinion about whether I thought that was the best single or whatever. So I kind of started like having a point of view on it. And then I realized what the different roles of the, the people in the business were. It was like, okay, this is artist, producer, DJ. Um, like, you know, how can I be involved? Oh, this is what the record label does. This is what the, I was kind of self-taught and I just was so thirsty for, for information and curious about how it worked. So I was like very keen on picking up every, any type of book I possibly could Mm -hmm. or like any piece of reference material. And this was like the beginning of Twitter. So I was like on Twitter, started following all the characters by who they were tweeting and who they were responding to and being like, Oh, that's their manager. That's their this and that. And so, yeah, I kind of, and that's the thing I think that's interesting this day and age is I think because of social media, you can get, you can figure out what people do. Yeah, hundred percent. You know what I mean? And I, I think I was maybe kind of early on that, you know, I mean, <laughs> obviously there were other people. You were the first person to tell me about Twitter. I remember you telling me and I was just like, whatever, like I didn't give two shits about it. And then before you knew it, within months, it was like, all right, now every celebrity has a Twitter. Now every business has a Twitter. Now this is where you find your news. Yeah. It was like, it was like the thing. 
Yeah. I, or even like Facebook. You had Facebook before anybody else. Yeah. I, I remember Facebook was super cool because it was like people sharing pictures and stuff. So that to me felt like something about like the tagging feature made it like way more fun because people like we'd go to a party and someone would have a digital camera and take a bunch of pictures and upload them and then tag everybody in it. Yeah. And we'd like share it. That was like right around the, I think it was kind of right around that same time. But, um, but yeah, we were just having fun with it and I had my little Ventura's finest music blog. <laughs> yep, so, yep. <laughs> so it was really, that was really just like a blog spot that I kind of was just trying to scale my, my music sharing thing. And it was fun. It was a good time. Um, I wanted to bring it up and I know I had mentioned, mentioned it to you last night was you were the first, and I was, I was even telling Juan this morning, you were the first person in our era to, to take that leap, to kind of say like, fuck school. And I'm going to just attempt to do the, uh, uh, to everybody, at least to what we thought the impossible was, is like, you're going to go out to LA, you're going to get in the industry. You're going to try to make something out of yourself. And I remember we were both in junior college and then. I remember I went to Kansas University or I went to university or Kansas Wesleyan and you ended up not going to, to college. But instead, I remember you telling me that you went up to your parents and you pretty much asked them to to cover you. Right. To cover like the expenses, like if you were going to college. Yeah. How'd that go? OK, so this I think it's funny because this is like with like the student debt crisis, this is like a hot topic again. But mm -hmm. I I played my my uh, year of community college basketball and I was like, I had, I'd already been in junior college for like two, I think going on three years. I'd already been in junior college for three years. I had effectively had my AA degree, but I was just so disinterested in school. I kind of knew what I wanted to do at that point. I was like obsessed with the music business, obsessed with the creative industries, what was happening in streetwear and fashion. And I just like knew I wanted to do that. It was occupying all my time, attention, energy. And so I was like, how can I just do this thing? What, and I, what I was doing was I was kind of torn in between this thing where my parents were like, oh, you know, get a degree and whatever. And I mean, and there was also a lot of social pressure too. But what I had decided was I was like, I know I want to be a music manager. This is at 21. And I think this is pretty rare because I had known probably from the time I was 19 and I was, and I just kept kind of watching it as I was in school, playing basketball, like doing the thing. But then I, at some, at 21, it was, there was kind of a, a turning point. And the turning point really was when I was transferring to Cal State Channel Islands. And I was trying to take a course load that like was relevant to what I wanted to do. Wanted to, I was like taking a photography class, a graphic design class, like a business class. There was no music business class. I'm like trying to just learn on something that I know is going to apply to what I wanted to do. And then pretty quickly, I actually, it's funny because I started going to Cal State Channel Islands and right when the fees were due, I got an opportunity to go on tour with Pac Div. And basically what I did was I was just like, it was such an instinctive, I knew exactly what I was going to do. I was just like, this is the opportunity for me to start moving in the direction of like what I want to do. And school is not it. Yeah. You know, this is like me learning the business firsthand. In fact, it was with, did I say Pactive and NERD? Did I say it? Like mm. it was with, we were going to be on tour with Pharrell. You know what I mean? Damn. I forgot. I didn't mm. even know. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and I was just acting as a roadie photographer selling merch. I was just like, but I was going to be with my favorite group 
and like from Pac-Div just really put his arm around me and he was schooling me on the music business and stuff too, yeah. you know? And so I was like going to travel for the first time. I was just like, boom. And so I didn't actually present that to my parents. What I did was I just told them, I said, I have good news and I have bad news. Like, <laughs> and this is just me kind of like always just, it, it's funny because I'm realizing it now that I like am pretty assertive Very in much. that way. And, and I just told him, I said, look, uh, cause they were going to help support me, uh, with my schooling. But there was also this thing where it was like, I was going to have to take out loans and I've always been a reader. And I read this book called the education of millionaires or something like that. And this guy was making this claim about how, um, school is a waste of money and just that it's not a waste of money, but it's just more about what you want to do. You know what I mean? And so he just, he just kind of like laid out this pretty clear picture about like really understanding the debt that you're getting yourself into, really understanding the time commitment, really understanding like if that degree is going to, if you're going to be able to exchange it for like real world applicable thing, you know, and obviously with the student debt crisis, we're seeing that it's just like, it's not that good of an investment. So I kind of was, that was like when I was baby wearing my investor hat, kind of going, making up, I mean, there's a lot of people who, who can obviously say the opposite. School is super valuable. And I think it's super valuable even from a networking standpoint. It's valuable for a a fun standpoint, but it is a transaction of money. And I have a lot of friends who are my exact same age, who are in a pile of debt still, and still have to figure out where they want to fit into the world when it comes to their career. Right. So I just told my parents, I was like, I have good news and I have bad news. Like I'm dropping out of school, but you guys don't have to like contribute to my schooling and I'm going on tour, which is good news for me because this is what I want to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> dropping out of school. <laughs> no. yeah. There you have the kids drop out of school. <laughs> tune in and drop out, tune in, tune in and drop out. But, um, I, I remember at the time and even you were like a critic of it. Huge critic. You were a critic of it. You had yeah. some shit to say about it. And listen, I think that that's fine. Um, but you're wrong. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. But also too, and this, I mean, this is where, trust me, Nolan and me, we've been friends long enough to where we'll, we'll probably agree to disagree, dispute, you know, get loud. But it's one of those things where at that time, 18, 19 year old Pep was also, was, was influenced by, no, you got to play sports, yeah. go to school, get a degree, find a job, get a 401k. Like this is what the, this is, this is the circle of life. Yeah, is the way parents formula. Yeah. yeah. And this is before I opened my eyes to like what the world, you know, what the world really is, you know, which is like, what's more important. I mean, the degree or hands-on experience, you know? Yeah. And, and like, the thing is, is at the time from a popular standpoint, like you weren't wrong. I remember I put, this Facebook, uh, what is it called again? The, it's like a Facebook update. Like just, I, I put this quote, this thing on Facebook and I said something like, it's interesting to me because, um, going to college is actually kind of a way of avoiding what you want to do in the real world. And me being 19 in college, all my peers are 19 in college. These are all, this is all decisions that they're making it got so many comments and so much hate (laughs) and people I had like friends of my older brother and family friends and everyone was just like, you're tripping, blah, 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 blah. And I just was like, 
I just, at that point, I just saw it differently. I was just like, no, but none of my friends know what they want to do. Okay. And I get it. If you don't want to know what you want to do, but you want to continue to make progress, like go educate yourself. You know what I mean? Get out of your parents' house, go into like a, a foreign place and learn and be around other like-minded creative individuals. But I was just like one of the rare ones where I just like knew what I wanted to do. Now, that didn't make it any easier. I like <laughs> figuring out how to be a manager and like turn that into a business is like hard. You know what I mean? So it's like funny because it was like, I kind of had this, like this confidence that I knew what I wanted to do and I was going to go forge this path. But like when, in retrospect, it's not like I had like a clear path to success. Yeah. And that's where on the, like on the other side of it, I, because I did get a degree. It's like, I, I take that where it's kind of like, Hey, there is a, there is a path. There is a, <laughs> there is a path with, you know, with like, whether it's the medical field or whatever, it's like, Hey, you go this path and then there should be a job there. Like when you're done. And that's where Nolan, all kudos to him at 19 saying, Hey, I want to be a, a, a music manager, but it's like, what's the path of, there's nobody that like has a book that says, Hey, this is how you do it. This yeah. is the proper step. It was like, and you had the confidence in the world, but it was, it was, it was, it was a hard fucking task. I love this conversation though, because I think it's so valuable because anybody who's like young thinking about it is like that it's a transaction you're making. If you're borrowing hundreds of thousands of dollars, like that's a real transaction that you're making. Right. Um, it was really interesting to see both of your sides about it because I know Pep, you went to school and then you stopped going to school or right before college university. Right. Yep. And like you said, there's no real path to do it. Cause I guess from, from my perspective, I went to school, but I stopped right before I got my degree. Yeah. So I saw a little bit of both sides of it. And although a degree can help in certain aspects, it doesn't guarantee anything either. Like it doesn't guarantee a path either. And the work is going to be just as hard as it was for Nolan, as it was for whoever, you know, cause so, so in, in my field or what I thought I was going to be in when I went to school for 3d animation, they, they told us, it was like, once you graduate, it's not promised. You're not going to go to Pixar. You're not going to go to Disney. You're not going to go to DreamWorks and get a job immediately just because you have a degree. Like, they're going to look at your work, and it's going to be just as hard for anyone. Like, 60% of you probably won't get a job. Like, they straight up told us that. Yeah. And was, there's, there's no right path. There's no way around the hard work. Yeah, it's funny, too, because, <laughs> because it's almost like, too, at some point, you become unemployable. Like no one can give me a job. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, wow. <laughs> and at some point it's like not unemployable from like a, like not that I ha don't have skills and can't be super valuable to a company, but you just want to chart your own path so bad and you want ownership of whatever it is that you're creating so bad that you're like, I don't want to take a six-figure salary and go work in a company, you know? And that's like a strong statement and there are companies out there that I think are dope and that I would work for. But it's like, I also value freedom so much to like create whatever it is that I'm dreaming. And obviously I love working with others too. I think that's a lot of what drove me to like work in the music business is because I just being around creativity just is so inspiring. Yeah. It makes me more creative. It makes me happy. You know what I mean? And, and, and during, and during, and during that time when you first decided to forego 
uh, your college education and and take my talents to take, South Beach. Take your yeah. talents to South Beach, straight up. <laughs> <laughs> but to take it, you know, to to get into the music world, um, was it right away? You became a manager, dude. Like, no, no, not at all. And and I knew I wanted to be a manager, but I also just knew I needed to like kind of cut my teeth. There was a point in time where it's like I had been studying the game closely, and I kind of thought I knew what I was doing and thought I knew I could do it, but. I was so green. I was 21 years old, 22 years old. And fortunately, Pactive took me out on the road, took me under their wing. I learned so much from them. They, you know, um, and I got to be out there and meet a bunch of people and, you know, help them in different ways. But what happened with me going and doing that tour with Pharrell and traveling around the country and, and like being in these big clubs in Atlanta and New York and stuff. And it, it kind of validated, Oh, this path that I was on. And what I knew was I need to have my own client. <laughs> like if I'm going to be a manager, I need to manage, I yeah. need to manage something. So if it's not going to be packed div because they're like older and even more experienced than me. And for, it's kind of funny because I never really was like put the, the, the hard press on them to, to be their manager. I, for whatever reason, I just kind of was like, uh, it's, it's weird because I, in retrospect, I was like, I probably wanted to do that. Oh yeah. But I didn't, I didn't speak up on that. And I don't even know why, to be honest, in, in retrospect, but I just was like, I need my own client, you know? And when I coming back from that, that tour was crazy because it was like such a high, it's like hanging out with. So how old, how old were you? I'm, I think I'm 21 or 22. And you guys just traveled all the United States? Yeah, so we did, um, Pactiva opened up for NERD for like, I think it was a smaller tour, it was probably like 12 shows, but it was, um, it was like New York City, um, Atlanta, Miami, I think. So all the major cities? All the major cities, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, when I came back from it, I was like, it was such a high, I came back from it, and then I'm like, back to little Ventura, <laughs> back to working my, my pizza delivery job. I'm like, fuck, you know what I mean? That's <laughs> yeah, when course, it was like, of course, yeah. that's when I like, it like really lit a fire under my ass. Like I got to make this shit happen. You know what I mean? Because I was just like, especially because it's one of those things at that age too, you're so fragile, your ego is so fragile. So you kind of almost even start identifying a certain way where you're like, like you think you're so fucking cool because yeah, you're like out on the road not, doing yeah, shit. Sure. You're like doing fly shit and then you're coming back and it's like, yeah, but you're still like, doing you're working your pizza delivery push, job. Push, pushing the mazda you're still pushing pizza. P. yeah you're still pushing p you know <laughs> but <laughs> but like i don't know man so i came back and i was like i need my own client for sure and i had been building like community in ventura quite a bit i mean i kind of look at it since we were kids well, you yeah know what i mean yeah i think um again i was telling juan this morning was like you were the first one to bring not just the vlogs but i mean you brought concerts to ventura like hip-hop concerts uh from and from all walks of life you know like we had guys or you had guys from from la from the bay who would travel down here and they would do you know downtown ventura of like a room of like 50 people 60 people but but it was your it was event, your, yeah. yeah it was your event at yeah. the time yeah I, so i had like even dabbled with like little event promoting and and throwing my own concerts and stuff and so i even learned that kind of side of the business too which was fun um and and that's actually how i met kyle was i i put together an event and um he was KID at the time I think he was 17 and he was a senior in high school and I was this was like right around the time I was starting to tour with Pactiv and and do all that and um him and I just had like a really good synergy like 
he was super charismatic, hardworking. We put together this little show. He like sold most of the tickets. Then he like performed his ass off, had like a great performance. And he's like in high school and him and I just vibed. Like he was super hungry, creative, trying to like make it happen. And I was just like, yo, like this is probably a good person for me to like to work with. Like we just, every time we got together, like we made something happen. And, um, yeah. So when I got back off the, t- I, I'll never forget. Cause I went on two tours of Pactiva. It was with one with NERD came back for like three to six months, three months probably. And then I don't, it was, it was either like the fall and then the spring. And then we went on tour with Mac Miller and this was Mac Miller's like first big nationwide headlining tour, the blue slide park tour. It was his first album, Blue Slide Park, and that album went number one on the Billboard charts. Like, yeah. he was he was 18, and he, like, blew the fuck up. Yeah. And um, and it was really cool to be out there with him at that time. Um, His crew was so cool to us. So, like, a lot of the guys on his crew, like, I still remain uh, cool with. Q is still a homie of mine, and that was, like, Max, like, right-hand man. But um, that was just crazy to see because what I saw from that was we would be in like the middle of Virginia and he was like doing 2000 tickets and it kind of like, it started making me think, Oh, hip hop isn't just like a major market thing. Like you can go to the middle of no, like if the artist is big enough, people are watching on YouTube, like downloading the mixtapes and and falling in love with the music. And if, um, you can go to the middle of nowhere and sell tickets and like have a real business. And seeing Mac do what he did immediately Kyle KID came to my mind because I'm like Kyle is this type of artist you know what I mean it just like made sense I was like Kyle could be big like Mac you know what I mean like that's what I thought I was like he could be big like Mac like Kyle is like you know he's not the the inner city like streetwear cool guy he's like the suburbs like hero you know kid that like is relatable kid next door kind of very similar to how mac was in my opinion you know and also the way mac was like doing his videos we kind of had that blueprint already like he was doing these like rex arrow films uh videos i don't know if you guys remember them like the the one shots yeah they would do like one shot like uh him rapping but then they were like just really consistent on youtube and they were making fun videos and it was like kind of showing that like you can shoot this was like the beginning of Canon 5D music videos, handheld, like, but they're like really beautiful quality, 1080p. Um, and then just going directly to YouTube with them and kind of finding their fans. And so when I got off that, I'll never forget when I was in Atlanta on that Mac Miller tour, I just like wrote Kyle this long ass, like, I think it was like a Facebook message at the time. And it basically was kind of a blueprint of like what we should do and like how to approach it. And I just was like, I'm out here with Mac and like, I 100% think you can do this. You know what I mean? Like at this level, you know? And, and what was, uh, was Kyle super like, all right, let's do it. Or did he, did he hesitate to like have you as manager? It wasn't, I, I didn't say like, I'm going to be your manager. I don't think ever, but I just had a vision and I just was like going to help him execute it. And I think he was just, Kyle's always down for people to come in and that like want to support his vision, you know? So he's like really open to like yeah. other people's ideas and other people's creative. And so, that that I was really fortunate for that. So he just was like, dude, this sound, all sounds dope, you know? Yeah. And he was already just hustling in ways that he believed. He was already like uploading cool stuff to YouTube covers and whatnot. And he was like getting traction already too. So he just was like, heck yeah. And and I was out there making a lot of friends and, and networking a lot. And so I had like relationships with producers and I remember sending DJ Carnage 
like an early Kyle video that we had produced. And he's like, yo, this kid is dope. Like, I want to get in the studio with him. And Carnage at the time, he wasn't big yet, but he had produced some records for Theophilus London that I really liked. And it was it was this one called Big Spender that he did with uh, Theophilus and ASAP Rocky. And that was like both when they were like blowing up. And I was like, oh, this is going to be like the biggest record ever. But um, he like really liked Kyle and he got it. And then he showed us. It's funny because when we went to that studio for the first time, and this actually comes full circle because this is relevant to you guys, but he actually... When we got down there, he showed us Logic and g Easy. He was like, yo, you're kind of like these guys. <laughs> and when he says that, I think it's it's like, to me at the time, there was, and I don't even want to call it like college frat rap, but there was this like more kind of, it was just more tailored to like, I don't even know how to, I don't want to, I don't even know how to like differentiate was, the two, yeah. but there's like this kind of like swaggy streetwear shit that was happening that yeah. kind of met Pac Div and Casey Veggies and Dom Kennedy and Nipsey Hussle fit into. And then there was like this kind of other brand of music that like a lot of kids in college, good music all day, Logic, g yeah. Kyle. Like, it was like a backpack rap, right? That's yeah. what it's called? Well, backpackers, I would say are more, backpackers are like, I'd say backpackers are like pre-Drake blog era rappers, like Talib Kweli kind of that thing. No, Even really? Kanye considers himself a backpack okay. rapper. Right. But but it's it's more like streetwear driven versus like college kind of driven. Yeah. And when Carnage showed us Logic and G-Eazy, we were like, oh, boom. Like this is, and it's only relevant because it's when you're marketing the music. You just want to find the fans, you know, where that wherever yeah. they are. Yeah. It's not really like, to, I hate, pigeonholing it because obviously call uh g and logic and kyle are all such brilliant artists and occupy such different spaces you know what i mean so it's not like about that but it's it is when you're starting out about finding fans right and that i was so into the blogs that i wasn't paying attention there's like to good music all day there was like college music blogs and mike stud and there was like there's just a handful of other ones all of them super talented and and we were like yeah kyle and then so on some of his first releases uh I was like really keen on getting him on good music all day and it responded really well. Yeah. Like Tim over there was really supportive, but then I think it was also just because the audience loved it, you know? So, so what, yeah. What was your guys' uh, cause you've been with him now since, since for how long? 10 years? Yeah. 10. Yeah. Yeah. 10 years as of like last month. Yeah. So this was all right around 11, end of 2011, 2012 when I kind of was like leaned into it, but I had, I had like done a couple cool little plays for him. Like I got him to open up for ASAP Rocky at Ventura theater. I got him an opening slot for big Sean in Santa Barbara. And that was kind of even just me kind of going, not only were those guys the hottest at the time or like up and coming hottest at the time, but it just to me was like more relevant to like the brand he was trying to do. Like before he would just do whatever shows at the theater, Snoop Dogg or whatever. And I'm like, you, you want to get in front of the kids that are actually going to maybe be fans. You know what I mean? Um, Rather than just putting yourself out there for just anybody. Yeah. But but Carnage believing in Kyle was a really key kind of turning point because not only was he just an extremely talented producer, so he, all of a sudden, the two records that Kyle made with Carnage were, like, fucking really good. Yeah. And they, like... And this was before Carnage was, like, Chipotle gang. Like, this was, like, what yeah. year was this? Because you did it at one point. You guys were all living together. Yep, yep. So we all lived together in downtown LA. Um... And that's when we started working with a independent label called Indie Pop that Carnage was also working with at the time. And um, yeah, they they moved us all into this like uh, 
fucking shitty downtown LA apartment. <laughs> and it was like, I, I don't, it's like, I call it downtown LA, but it was like literally on Skid Row. So like, it wasn't like sexy, nah. but it was, it was fun. And, and in retrospect, it was like such a, a cool time. <laughs> um, in these 10 years that you've been with him, a couple questions that I wanted to ask was what has been the lowest of lows and the highest of highs? Oh, I feel like it's always kind of like darkest before the dawn, right? So it's like there was a kind of there was a couple moments in 2016, like right pre I Spy, where there was like just some gut check things where we had to just like rededicate ourselves to the to the grind, you know, and yeah. be like, okay, we're doing this because it's like we had been doing it for five years at the time, and it was like we had a little success. We had some fans. We had some tours, like we had a business, but it was like, it wasn't entirely sustainable, especially for me at the time. Like even in retrospect, it was like, I kind of started thinking like, damn, I might need another job. Like I'll still do this, but I just like, cause I was just all in on Kyle, you know? But like, I was like making like fucking 20 grand a year. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it was like hard to kind of sustain it. And part of me was like, do I start driving Uber or like, do I do I take a job at the label, which I was like, didn't want to do, you yeah. know what I mean? I was like, and it was also a different time too, where that was still kind of pre-streaming where like labels weren't hiring a million ARs and they hadn't like fully figured out streaming yet to where now streaming is like such a big income generator for labels that their staffs have grown tremendously. And mm-hmm. I have like so many young friends who are like 23 and manage an, uh, an artist on the side and, have a label job and like Duke can do a bunch of things where it was like there wasn't as much business going around in the music business at the time in, in 15 and 16. And so I, I kind of like, I thought about that a little bit. I thought about, should I get a job? Should I start driving Uber on the side? I still believed in it like tremendously and we still had a movement and we had a thing going. And then it, I spy happened and then it kind of solidified the five years that we had put in. Cause we were just like, so now you've been uh, you've been managing Kyle for ten years. Um, we could say that you know being a music manager, you can check that off the list. Um, I know that when it comes to investing, uh, crypto, hedge fund, um, buying buying homes, anything that has to do with that, I look I look to you. When did you get into that? When did you decide to not spend your money on jewelry and fucking, you know, <laughs> G wagons and stuff and actually, you know, invest into like some real shit. Uh, I think it was also just the way the music business kind of works is like you, sometimes you kind of get money in like lump sums, especially. And so it's not like super consistent. So like, especially going from 16 where I was like struggling financially and it had to be super locked in and, and disciplined like once I started making money, I don't know if it was, there was some imposter syndrome, but I was just like, I'm not going to spend any of this shit, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and like, well, cause it was so much hard work to get that. Right. Right. And, um, it's all like relative to be honest, because it's like, you know, the little bit of money that, that we started earning can is negligible compared to like, people who are really making money you know what I mean it's like it's just kind of a number right but I just was always trying to like I knew that money is usually better better served as like 
um, it's better served to grow and to like create more opportunities or more jobs or more businesses or more creative, more ideas, you know, and I had a really, really good mentor, like starting in 2014, uh, a guy named Ryan Leslie, who's like obviously phenomenal artist and producer and, but is even like, has even like exceeded all the success in that space in the investing space. And him and I would just have these like really, really long chats hour, two hours and, just kind of like he was always just like honing my like um just my perspective on the utility of money and i'm into like psychology too so there's like this kind of interesting there's so much psychology when it comes to finance you know why we do what we do why we think we need to buy nice things or <laughs> for ourselves or whatever there's just like so much that goes into it and he's just such a disciplined investor and, and thinks about it so critically and was able to impart a lot of that knowledge on to me. And, and I was always just like kind of coming back to the well for more. So, so yeah, the, it's a, it's a constantly evolving thing, but I also look at, you know, so it's like very similar to like me being 19 going, okay, I want to work in the music business and where do I fit in and how can I succeed at this? That's essentially a transaction of your time ultimately for money or for whatever it is that you're doing it for. It's like, I was passionate about this. So these other things that I become interested in, I just, my curiosity goes there. My attention goes there. And all of a sudden I want to learn more about it. And then I'm going, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to invest into this, you know? So I think everything is kind of an investment, whether it's your attention, your money, your time, like all these, we're constantly making these investments. So like, I think that when something pops up that's that catches my curiosity, a lot of times I'll go uh, just deep into it and figure out like how how I want to engage with it. But but yeah, I think it's just like it's like anything, you know. Like you you all of a sudden you're super passionate and curious about something, and then you're like, okay, I want to buy rental properties or what's going on in crypto, you know, and yeah. then it like you know, it just captivates you, grabs your attention. And all of a sudden you're like, you're all in, you know, do, do you think that, and I'm going to, you know, qua, try to find a correlation, but growing up as an athlete, do you think that that like mentality, do you, do, are you able to like put that into the investment world, the manager world? Like, I feel like as an athlete, you like, you have this mindset of like, win. Yeah. I try not to be, it's funny because I think about it more now as like, there's enough for everybody. It doesn't, I, I like, I try, I really try to not have like that scarcity competitive mindset where it's like a, a zero sum game. There's got to be a winner and a loser. Cause I truly believe that everybody can win, especially in things when it comes to like money and, and things like that. You know, it's not zero sum. There's so much out there for everybody. Right. But where I think the sport thing comes in to me is uh, team is just everything. Nobody can accomplish anything alone. So me sitting here is the result of like all of the people that have supported me and, you know, like even in, in the Kyle business, there's like 10 or 15 people who are like miracles to the project you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like absolutely not just a me thing. So I think knowing how to work with others, understanding team 
is something that's powerful and it's just fun dude like doing shit with your friends the early days of Kyle and even today but it's like Kyle's like our team around Kyle like to me when we first started touring in like a minivan it reminded me of like AAU basketball yeah it's like <laughs> it's like the most fun thing ever it's like you're with your boys you're on the road in some city like sleeping in some shitty like motel it's like you got to kind of get along there'll be like little feuds and random like skirmishes and you kind of like got to figure out how to like be copacetic and and make it happen and and share the vision with each other and support each other it's like I think that that's that's the true nature and me I notice like I don't like doing things alone like I love collaborating on people like I love like one plus one equals three you know you have a cool idea like how can I support it um you know so so yeah I think that that's where kind of maybe some of the team stuff comes in and it's like I, I you know I played team sports I played basketball and baseball so I wasn't probably really early on I just realized like you can't get it I wasn't like a tennis player or a golfer yeah. so like you just th those people are like good at like they can like build their own little world you know where I'm like I realized probably how much I need people you know what I mean just right off the bat like yeah. there's no there's no way we I was doing this alone you know who, who who were some of your role models growing up and then who are you who are your role models now like in your like now in your adulthood um I obviously idolized athletes a lot um, growing up. And I think that that is cool. But now the people that I'm interested in are not people that just do one thing really well. It's people who have like the whole life thing kind of figured out. It's like they have fruitful relationships. They're successful in business. They are healthy they live a balanced life. You know what I mean? Like the people that can like do and that, and they're really happy. You know what I mean? The people that I kind of look to now the most are like people are ha who are happy. So I guess it was like when I was really young, it was like athletes, Michael Jordan, Kobe. And some of these guys are obviously great people too. But, and then I think in high school and college, it was like artists and stuff like that. But now I think as I get older, it's more about people who have like, solve challenging problems in business and, and stuff like that, but also have maintained like healthy lifestyles, relationships and stuff like that. And I think that that's obviously I'm 33. It's like, a, that's like just maturity, but who's somebody, I think, who, who, who's somebody though? Um, like, like a good example of somebody. Yeah. <sighs> um, it's, it's tough because I don't want to like name somebody cause I don't, I'm not like modeling my life after anybody in particular. Sure, you know sure, what I mean? Sure. Like my, my dad, my parents, I was literally going to say your dad. Yeah. Yeah. My parents probably more than anything. Like, um, but I, like I admire people for the thing that they're good at where, when you're a kid, I think you have this weird thing where like, um, you love Michael Jordan so much that you're like, anything he does is like, okay. And like, you kind of what's the right way to like explain it like my everyone knows michael jordan's like a, a gambler right yeah. and so like you go like you kind of um normalize that and make sure that's okay or like when you're a fan of an artist there'll be like a drug addict and you'll be like but it's okay because he's like and at some point you realize like that shit isn't okay <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, yeah, like 
that's not okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like the more you normalize that shit, the more like that type of energy can creep into your own life. So um, my parents have been wonderful role models, I think in, in like very, just in touch with such a real way, you know, but, and they've been, I remember ever, I mean, again, I've known, I've known them just as three years less than ever since I was three, but they've always been consistent. Yeah. With fucking health, friendships, faith. Like they've always just been, and then your dad's a spectacle of a man, you know, <laughs> 70 years old, probably in buff as shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. Cause my, my dad is like, so, um, he's just like, uh, so awesome and likable and my mom's like more of a firecracker but i've and i think my dad is also so easy to like but i'm been so impressed by my mom recently because she's just like it, it you saying my dad is a spectacle of my man my my dad is a spectacle of a man and which is true but my mom kind of like makes him look soft and i'm like damn <laughs> she's badass you know? she's so badass so i i've been trying to just really appreciate her she'll like She's, she's so cool, but I, I'm, not, that's the other thing, dude. I feel like it's just, I'm so lucky with like the, my parents, For sure. they're so, they taught me so much and, and the consistency I think is like really, really key, you know? Um, you also, you also t- touched on a point when we were talking about this was, was health. So yeah. I know you've always been like a health freak since, since we were younger from lifting to playing basketball to all that. And I'm sure in, in Juan and me, especially, especially Juan, you know, Juan's been getting in the gym a lot more and. I, I, I love the gym is in this industry that we work in, there's so much deadlines, pressure, million calls, conference calls, zoom calls, this and that. How are you able to balance your work life, your investment life, and also to like your, 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 your mental health and your fitness? Yeah, that's a good question. It, it's a constant battle, but I think you have to prioritize it like work you have to prioritize your, your workout needs to be in your calendar. Just like a call would be, you need to schedule your workout like a call and, and you, you have to be disciplined enough to when something pops up and is grabbing your attention and is like going to bleed into your workout thing. You got to like nix it. You got to be like, this is a meeting. This is just as important of a meeting as anything, anything I'm doing in business, you know? And I've actually been trying to be more disciplined about that this this year specifically because working out takes energy too. People always want to go, oh, I'm going to do it before I go to work. So I'm going to work out at 7 a.m. And, and God bless all the people that are able to do that or whatever. And, and, then, and then some people are like, oh, I'm going to do it late at night. But I'm like, your health is the most important thing. Like it's, it, be, it, it, it becomes, it's the most important thing. Like you can't do your work and especially what I'm realizing too, you can't do your work as effectively. Like your decision-making becomes poor. If you're not sleeping well, like all of these things, like all of the people that you're serving in your business and you're working with and that rely on you, rely on you to be healthy and be able to like make a sound decision. You know what I mean? And those things are like really small in the grand scheme of things, but they shift the the course of your life so much so it's like why not prioritize a workout as if it's like arguably the most important thing you're doing every day would you do that at 6 a.m and cut into your sleep the night before or would you do that no you might do that at whatever so i'm I'm trying to give working out like more important hours of my day and um 
it's really hard because then you kind of start feeling guilty. Like, oh, should I be working or should I be doing this? But I think at the end of the day, like, and, and I would, anybody that works with me or for me or I want to like give them, like allow them to do that as well. Yeah. Because I know everybody's thinking like, oh, I need to be like working on the thing. You know what I mean? Or whatever it is that we're doing. But it's just like, go work on yourself, pour into yourself because I know that that energy is going to come into whatever project we're collaborating on. Mm. And, and so I'm trying to like really do that, that this year, especially cause I'm just like, and he, eating is one thing too. We'll like do a call while we're eating and like, we'll like won't prioritize nutrition. And it's like, nutrition is so important, dude. It's like part of the thing. So yeah. it's like nutrition, exercise, sleep. I'm like, those are non-negotiables. Those are just as important as, as anything else. And, and it, it needs to be prioritized as such, you know? I love it. Yeah. I love it. You do such a good job of it, dude. Like you, your, your grind and how consistent you are inspires me. Like, and you, you like are constantly evolving jujitsu running. Like you always have a new mountain that you're climbing and it's like super inspiring. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Dude, imagine living here. <laughs> I've been the best version of myself since I moved in. Dude. I love that. And that bro, that is the type of people you want to fucking be around. Yeah. Dude. Of course. Iron sharpens iron. And like literally like there's nothing better than being around someone who's like, you're like seeing them eat healthy every single day. And you're just like, you know, I want to be that type of person to my friends as well. And the thing about it that's hard is like, there's a little bit of tough love in that. hundred <laughs> percent. You know oh, what yeah, I mean? Sure. <laughs> like, like you're walking past Juan, like eating a plate of bullshit and you're like, mm, well, you know, and it's like <laughs> not everybody like, you know, so it's kind of a hard person to be, you know? Oh yeah. no, exactly. Man. And, and that's, and that's the thing where it's like, I guess that, that role, I play it well to where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who works out and tries to eat clean and this and that. And then it's funny because all of a sudden, like, there's one night, usually if I'm intoxicated and I'm making this like <laughs> concoction of a sandwich with sausage and eggs and hot Cheetos, everyone's like, what the fuck? Like, you're doing that to yourself? But it's like, yeah, it's, it's not the best, but you yeah. know, it is what it is, you know? So like, it's like a big black cloud on top of me, you know, like, Oh, the guy who works out a lot, eats like shit. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, once you, yeah. Once you, once you set the tone for like how you're doing it and you get, maybe you get a little judgy like yeah. of your friends of like, for like not playing at a high level. Like you're definitely putting yourself on the chopping block for oh, yeah. any time they see you do something freaky. They're like calling you out. But what I love now is I guess you could call it like, like the bar that I try to set like for my life, like my wife, is that the same bar, if not higher? Yeah. Juan, who's living in here now, fucking, he's getting buff and fucking working out and eating clean. And then, you know, the people around me, like yourself and everybody, everyone's just like, now it's like, all right, now I got to step it up even that much higher. So it's like, so what's the next challenge and what's this and that? Because yeah. I think the best part about it is like, just like in work, you know, you had a great, let's just say a great 2021 year. What are we going to do? Just like soak in the 2021 year forever it's like no okay mm -hmm. level up right yeah. level right. up what's gonna happen you know yeah, yeah. no for sure for people sure people around you keep you in check like shout out Kristen this morning waking up <laughs> at 6 a.m i hear her work now i'm like god damn it now, like, now i have to no that's real man that's that's so real that you're the you're you're completely the average of the five people you spend the most time around i like i couldn't agree with that more. yeah like I, I literally like couldn't agree with that more um so you said that my, my name is just, I just go by Nolan. It's kind of like in the Kanye documentary where he was like, it's not even Kanye West, this is Kanye. You might as well just call me Ye. That's what it is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> There's a lot of Nolans now, dude. 
There is. It's funny because I've only and it's and there's a few actually Nolan Smiths. Yeah. There's a football player that obviously is oh there, there's, there's the basketball player. Basketball player is yourself. Who I, I met. Know. Did you? Yeah, not in person yet, but um we were in the same uh clubhouse room and I just was basically like, yo. I'm Nolan Smith. I'm also Nolan Smith. <laughs> and we're from the same graduating class and you went to Duke. Yeah. Legendary. Yeah, he's a badass. Before we get in, I was gonna ask some fire uh some fire rapid questions, but before we get into that, I just thought about something. Let me I want to hear that story about when you got into Drake's party and you met Drake. Ooh, the Drake <laughs> yeah. story. Did you ever have you ever told that story? Mm-mm. I gotta hear that. Okay. Um I mean I've told it, yeah, fucking A over and over and over again. But um yeah, I'm trying to think. Okay, so the the Drake the Drake story. Um, so we were in Miami um, for Art Basel. Kyle yeah. was playing a show. Um, Diddy throws these legendary South Beach, Miami, Star Island at Diddy's crib, like fucking extravaganza festivals at his house, and. Um, they don't start until like really late at night, like maybe 2 a.m. Jeez. So <laughs> that's the one thing I think about the story that's like actually kind of funny is the the night didn't even start until 2 a.m. Kyle had played a show. We got in Ubers, went to Diddy's party. We probably didn't get there until like 2. Party was starting. And um, I think that there's like me, the, the characters of the story are like me, Kyle, and Drake, right? <laughs> But then the other character is Tequila, okay? <laughs> De Leon Tequila is the, the other character. the other like I character. It, so I, I just want to make sure we like outline that. But basically, when we get in the party, we're walking in. It's kind of the beginning of the party. It has this big, beautiful uh, backyard. There's a like, kind of pool in the middle, and there's this like uh, foyer area that's like right outside his house. Inside his house, all the lights were on. You could see that like Diddy was in there, and I think like Drake. Khaled and I want to say that there was like someone else in there, like another like massive uh king of hip hop. Yeah. And um when Kyle and I walked up, we were like, oh shit, Drake's in there. That's cool. And we had never uh met him before. Kyle had never met him before. And this is like post I spy, is this tw- end of 2017, and, and Kyle had been like crushing it all year you know what i mean we're like he probably knows who kyle is and kyle is a big fan of drake as i am as everyone is um drake is a fucking goat and so <laughs> like i was kind of like yo kyle just go in the house and like say what's up to drake they want to meet you like i sold him on that i'm like dude those guys and you guys were already on you. your tequila <laughs> yeah we had already been off the tequila we had already been drinking <laughs> right. the tequila the, I, the de leon started at that point but we had already been like having some drinks. We were out and about kind of like bouncing around, get to the party, whatever. Um, Diddy, Diddy's kids like got us from that. There was this big line outside. They like pulled us into the party. It was like, it was cool. And we we're like, oh, okay, cool. Like we're welcome here. You know what I mean? We felt, felt comfortable. And then I'm like, yeah, just go in the house. And there's a big ass security guard uh, at the front door. And Kyle kind of like goes, like, he goes up to the security guard and is kind of like, and the security guard's like nah and then he comes back to me and it's funny because i'm always like putting and kyle will say this too but i'm always like putting him up to like being super bold and like doing something like (laughs) so crazy but i think you kind of need friends that are like that right so anyways 
he kind of came back and he's like, bro, what are you thinking? Like, they're not going to let me in fucking Diddy's house. And there's like literally f- a whole party going on out there and there's three people inside. It's like, obviously they're not letting me in there. So anyways, we keep, we keep drinking. We're like, fuck it. We're, we're going to meet Drake tonight. That's what I was kind of like. We got to meet Drake tonight, bro. <laughs> Tonight's the night, Tonight's you know? And, um, then we're drinking some more. The party keeps growing we see like Lil Wayne walk in. There's just like all the cool, like who's who uh, in like the hip hop world and all stuff. At, all at Diddy's house. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a legendary, like art Basil Diddy all night extravaganza. And so we're, we keep drinking. And at one point we're like drunk and we're like, let's go home. The sun is starting to come up and I'm like, no, we got him in drink. <laughs> We gotta meet Drake. We can't go home. So like we, it was two decisions. It was like, fucking, um, Drake was like on the other side of the pool in this like little kind of like, like there was this overhang kind of it was like maybe some barbecues or something over there, but I don't know. And then there was like the front entrance where we were gonna walk out and leave and get in an Uber, and literally, I was like, no, we gotta meet Drake because we were just like we were about to go get an Uber. And we start walking towards the back and I made it, I like made a turn and beeline directly towards Drake. And Kyle was like, kind of like saw me go. And I think he like followed me. And, um, so then I go, so Drake's like legendary security guard Chubbs is with him. I go up to Chubbs. I just kind of like, I, I, I say, what's up? I like go to Chubbs. I like dab him up. I say something in his ear. He starts like, like busting up laughing from what I was told. He started busting up laughing and then he like kind of opens up and like semi, he doesn't know me, but he's semi like kind of introduces me to Drake. And then Drake says something to me. I like dab him up and I say, or I mean, I dab him up. I say something in Drake's ear. He starts laughing and then I turn and Kyle's right there. And then I kind of like introduce him to Kyle and he's like, no, I know you bro. Like you're killing it. Like, and Kyle and Drake like, you know, or meet and start talking. No way. (laughs) Yeah. And the thing is, is, so after we talked to Drake for probably five minutes, then we leave, didn't get a picture or nothing. Your brother was there. Jesus was there. He was like right there. And, um, so I wake up with all my clothes on the next day and I'm (laughs) like, what happened? And I call Kyle. I'm like, what happened? Did we meet Drake? And he's like, bro, you don't remember? No and I'm way. like, <laughs> so Damn. I'm kind of telling the story like in a weird, awkward thing. But there was this like moment in time where like I woke up the next day and it was fucking also 4 p.m. Because we probably didn't leave Diddy's house. Immediately after meeting Drake, we went and got in the Uber and went. But we probably didn't leave until 5.30 in the morning. Or it, it could have even been later. I don't know. But I wake up at 4, 4 3.30 p.m. with all my clothes. And I'm like, what happened? I call Kyle. He's like, bro, you don't remember? And I'm like, no. And he's like, dude. You said something to Chubbs. Then he started laughing. Then you said something to Drake. He started laughing. And then I met Drake and Drake was acting like he was our fucking best friend from back in the day. And I'm like, what did I say? And he's like, I don't know. What did you say? And I'm like, I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> so still to this day. Ooh, they you met Drake. Drake. I don't know what I said to you, but it works. <laughs> That is a legendary story. The secret (laughs) forbidden knowledge. Yeah, forbidden knowledge. What do you think you said, dude? I I I couldn't even tell you. I couldn't tell you. But it's funny because I think it's like, you know, obviously, 
this is just a big advertisement for daily on tequila and just getting a little <laughs> liquid courage yeah, you know exactly. what i mean and i think this just haven't just you got to go do it you got to go say what's up to people you got to go like i think there's this like weird thing kind of in hollywood where you don't want to you, you you don't want to like fan out over people for sure but there's so much that happens when it comes to networking and everyone knows like the utility of meeting new people and, and like becoming familiar and networking in general that you got to go say what's up to people. Bro. I mean, what's your, what's your opinion on when people say, um, your net worth is your network. Yeah. I mean, dude, I think, I think there's a lot to that. You know, obviously one is like, uh, people and one is like talking about finance so i think that that's kind of like a a weird correlation but who can you get on the phone who knows you who will pick up when you call who believes in you and enough to support your ideas who can you get access to because it's all about like when you do have the right opportunity for someone because you always got to be thinking about the other person's thing too yeah it wasn't like we didn't even exchange numbers with with drake and it wasn't like we were like we're going to collab with him right after that. Cause we're just more realistic than that maybe. And obviously we, that's still the dream. That's still the goal, but it wasn't like we were like, yeah, like we saw you and we hung out for five minutes and you were cool to us. And so now let's make the record happen. It's like, <laughs> that's not thinking about him. You yeah. know what I mean? That's like just thinking about us and our needs. And I think that's the one thing is like when you're networking with people, try to put yourself in their shoes based on like what they have going on in their life and stop being so transactional about what the fuck is best for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I get it all the time. Cause I'll meet young aspiring artists and stuff. And they'll be like, I'm releasing my first song. And then they're like wanting to talk to me about like working with them. And I'm like, what? Like, I, I, God bless you. Like, but create some fucking momentum. Well, your first song. And now I'm going to manage you and you haven't put out one song. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're not thinking about me. <laughs> like, It's not that easy. It's not that easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, so I think that that's one thing. It's like, and, and I get it though, because it's just, it's excitement and it's energy. And it's like, you know, what else do they want to say to me? They, they want, they're fans of like what we've built and what we're doing. So, so I get it. But I, but I think that that's like something that's pretty important. Because when you're like super transactional to people, that, I guess that's a hidden law of kind of networking is like when you're super like, ask, 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 ask to every single person that you're, you're meeting and your network. It's like, that's how you like, don't get your calls picked up and how people go. Cause they, cause at some point it's just like, dude, they're living their lives and stuff. It's like, what well, you know? Yeah. It's almost like you don't want to be that guy who yeah. just, who just like always asks for favors. Yeah. It, it, Kyle and I have actually kind of learned something too, as well too. When, when you are networking with people, it's like a lot of these people are really dope artists and like successful at what they do. Like you can either be a fan of someone or you can be f- potentially be friends with them. So like if you come on super strong and fan out super rich, like crazy, it ki- like it kind of can kill the momentum of like the conversation of them like being cool. Of course, because then they just immediately kind of categorize you in this like fan category, and it's like hard to kind of build from fan back up to like respectful, equal collaborator mm-hmm. kind of energy. So I think that that should be something. And you don't want to be like act too cool for the fucking person. If you are a fan of them, obviously tell them that you, you know, you love and respect their work and like whatever. But if you're only fanning out, that's when it's like after someone fans out, there's like not a lot to talk about. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like this weird thing. So that's like, kind of, that, that's a little bit of a, 
and, and network nugget. All right. So now moving on to some uh, rapid fire questions. These questions are also from a couple of our homies. I reached out to <laughs> a couple of the homies, uh, reached out to Jesus, reached out to D. I reached out to Alex and uh, oh, dope. yeah, we got some good ones. So it's wait really quick. Yeah, let's do it. Can we talk about the first time that you and I met? <laughs> and how this how at least the way i kind of remember it or at least even our early inter- interactions and kind of how it plays into like what you do now for a living for sure let's do it <laughs> um this will be perfect because we'll, we'll, so pep and i actually met in preschool yep and um there was always just this kindred spirit pep like has this way of just like m- he's just so like warm and he just like makes you feel so- safe and he's just like so pleasant to be around and just awesome and like thinking back about preschool, it's like, cause you're not, it's like, you're barely thinking, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> but I remember being always feeling so safe around pet that I remember when I was in preschool, I was like, yeah, you're, you're kind of like my bodyguard, you know? <laughs> and pet was just this big fucking sturdy, amazing presence then. And for whatever it's worth, now you're a fucking bodyguard. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm not saying I've called it, but hey, <laughs> I remember hearing that story and I was like, no way. Then your mom was like, no, yeah, no one used to call you his bodyguard. <laughs> and we were, I, was, I was like, yeah, I was protecting him in the sandboxes. You yeah, know? <laughs> no, it's true. And it sounds fucking crazy. But like, I just remember that, like that presence that you had is just like, I remember even, I could even kind of reference it, go back to that moment. I think you had like, it's so it's amazing. So I, it's cool that you're like operating in that space because obviously like that's so close to like you make people feel safe. You know what I mean? And it's Try just like, to. <laughs> yeah. And it's like such a, such a, a cool, like natural gift that you have and, and you're like doing it for a living. I think it's like, it's really, really cool, man. And then the next, so then there was like this, there was this like dark period that me, like once we went off to like public elementary schools, you went to like, did you go to Holy Cross? Yeah, I went to Catholic school. Yeah, yeah. you went to, yeah. And then we linked back up in fifth grade on the basketball court and Pep was like fucking Shaq Diesel. It was, it was years. I haven't seen him in years. I was like, I know this guy. I recognize him, but it was, I haven't seen him since preschool. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And we, Pep talks about me having one name, but Pep, Pepe <laughs> is like, he has such one name that if they were going to put one name on the back of the jersey, it would just say Pepe. There yeah. you go. You know? So... Just like a, like a soccer player. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like a Neymar. No, but when I met, when we linked back up, it was all like, that's when we really like got it back in motion. And it was, uh, we were just like from basically fifth or sixth grade, just all the way forever. Yeah, it was nonstop. Yeah. Um, Sorry, that was a little detour. No, you good. Here we go. Rapid, rapid. Okay. Um, who would you get rid of? If you had to get rid of one, DMX or Jay-Z? Well, I don't even have to make that decision. Oh, damn. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so I got to choose. I don't want to get rid of either of them. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was terrible. Um, I, no, I love DMX so much. He was like probably my first favorite rapper. I was in like third grade. I was just, that was my guy. Uh, um, but then Jay-Z, obviously like in high school, that's like when I really fa- fell in love with like Jay-Z's music. So that, No. Nothing. <laughs> no. <laughs> Please the fifth. All right. Pistol Pete or Jason Williams? <sighs> Jason Williams. White chocolate. White chocolate. <laughs> Eminem or Tupac? Tupac. Ooh. Making it America, the TV show, or Entourage, the TV show? Mm, Entourage, the TV show. Just because 
but Ian Edelman's like my guy and and that's a full other story that we should talk about too but the guy who created how to make it has actually become a friend of mine and he's the one who directed Kyle's uh the after party movie on Netflix no way uh-huh. yeah so wow. I've got to like jam with him about how to make it in America because those were really both like two kind of inspiring it's funny like <laughs> did you ever tell him if they, were they ever going to bring it back yeah, you know what's funny about How to Make It in America is like that show, I think, was just like it was pre-app-based TV, pre-streaming TV, because that show would have gotten so popular if there was just like, you had to like down, it was so hard to watch. Yeah. You had to like subscribe to HBO and it was like, it was just a weird time. But um, I loved that show and it was really, really inspiring. And um, even for like just the grind, the, exactly. the, the young hustler, young entrepreneur. Um, what are you watching right now, dude? Winning time, the HBO special. Yeah, yeah. What do you, um, lo- what do you love about it? Uh, honestly, I, I like, I love like vintage, like Los Angeles, like period pieces. So anything that's like based on like old Hollywood or like seventies and eighties in Los Angeles is like super nostalgic, and I just love it. So, and obviously, I love the Lakers and. I know the story pretty well. I see you have the Showtime book that the the um the series is based on. Yeah. What do you think about it? Are you liking it? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think it's so uh you know, I love how some of the, you know, some of the events are true and some of them are like completely not, but it's amazing because it's just it's entertaining. Yeah, that you know? I think that's most important cuz yeah. it's like everybody wants it to be like or at least people will I don't like how they're doing my boy Jerry West. Oh, they did him dirty. They did him they did so him dirty. dirty. Yeah, but but I just love that it's not so much a documentary. It's just like, you know, like a like Dr. Jerry Bust, the way that that they're portraying him. It's just like, yo, he's like a he's a savage, but like a lover, but like a winner. And was he like that in real life? Maybe some, maybe not, but it, it's just it's sick. Yeah, no, I love it. I love how I actually met Jerry Bust before. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I met Jerry Bus before. Jeez. So many stories. And he is he like he was that dude all the way up until he passed. Damn. So we have a few more minutes. So we got we gotta ask our final three questions before we let you go. Um Juan, you got the first question. Yeah, the final three that I always forget. Um first one. Uh three pieces of advice or just some advice that you would give to someone who wants to be the next Nolan. Oof. Um well, you, you definitely don't want to be the next Nolan. You just want to be the <laughs> you, the first you. Respect, yeah. Um, that's one. I I would just say, like, really follow your curiosities and your passions and don't be afraid to, quote unquote, fail. You know, I think failure is like a really weird thing, especially when you're young. And I think... I even like constantly reminded how young even we are at early third in our early thirties. So it's even advice for myself is just like try things and fail at things and, and like don't be afraid to just like dive into things you're curious, curious about because I think there's just so much magic in, in in those, in those things. And I think that's where you find like your individual product market fit, like something that you're, really passionate about and curious about you're going to be good at you know and if you're good at something like a lot of times you'll be rewarded for it yeah so maybe that's two 
I don't. Yeah. I don't know if I have another one. No, that's good. Drink deeply like that. from good books. Read books. <laughs> read, 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 read. I, I I saw a tweet the other day that said, like, uh, HBO Netflix series has never changed my life, but like a good book has countless times. And I was just like, word. Read more. Watch less TV. Or audiobooks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> what I've been doing recently is getting the audiobook and like either the Kindle or the physical book and like listening to it and reading it at the same time. And it's like yeah. a pretty immersive, cool experience. I do the same shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's nice to hear it from, from the person who wrote it or, oh, or that's, whoever's bro. The, yeah. To me, I'm even big on that. Like if it's not the author reading it, I'm like, Oh, it's going to sound like some fucking like, yeah. Robot. Well, they, they can't, they can't put the same passion into it as, exactly. as the person. Who wrote yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. I also heard somebody funny say something about it. Like, <laughs> There's like this one guy who like reads all these like really powerful self-help books. It's like the same guy. And (laughs) like my favorite podcast is a podcast called My First Million. Shout out to that podcast (laughs) because I've just been like loving that podcast. So good. Anyways, uh, Sam, one of the hosts on it was talking about how there's this like one guy who reads all the biggest self-help books and Sam was like, I got to look this guy up. If this guy isn't like a fucking multimillionaire, <laughs> then all these books are bullshit. Cause like, how could he wow. be the guy who records this, all this, these like seminal, like golden information of the like inspired generations. And he's not like rich as fuck. And like, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's just like one tidbit though. Um, second one, I believe it's, uh, going to the past, seeing, seeing your, so your younger self, right? Having a question for them. So here, this is the, the second question is always, thanks for paying attention, Juan. God, <laughs> The second question is, one of them. is if you can go back to your younger self, you know, you, you pushing, you pushing the, the Mazda flipping pizzas, um, pretty much making no money, but still pushing to, to have this dream of being um, a manager. If you at your age right now could go back to that, to that person, which is probably like 19, 20, what would you, what would you tell them? Um, I would just like encourage just continue to kind of like encourage myself I guess I would encourage them that he's that that he's on the right path ultimately you know that um it's all part of the process I think it's really important I think for young people to like zoom out a little bit sometimes I I realize that I have like a better ability to do that in my 30s like not every fucking situation is life or death like, you don't have to be, like, constantly in this fight-or-flight mode. Like, every little thing I do fucking matters so much. Because it's just, like, you'll... At some point, you'll realize you're, like... As long as you're, like, kind of moving in the right direction... You'll realize some of the semantics, some of the individual details that, like, stressed you out so much. Like, you know, they just... They ha- hold less power over you yeah. once you zoom out. You know, like... And I noticed that, like, a lot of kids kind of struggle. Like, that age is such a hard age, you know? Like, post-high school, early college, or even post-college, getting into the professional life. Because, like, kids basically feel like they that's when everyone struggles with mental health the most. And it's because they're obsessing about their life so much. They're, like, worried about every little fucking thing. I don't have it figured out. And they're mad about it, you know? And then they just realize, like, as time wears on, it kind of figures itself out. And if you're pursuing the thing and moving in the direction of the thing, like you don't have to be so hard on yourself. It's just like, you know, I think that some people's like, I think when you obsess about your like problems or whatever challenges you're facing in your life, that is where that conflict happens that causes you to be like 
depressed yeah or anxious you know but it's like when you just kind of like zoom and not, i'm not saying don't care because you really have to care you really need to go after the thing that matters but i think that like beating yourself up because you're not where you want to be everyone's like oh i'm gonna figure it out by 25 it's like no you're fucking unrealistic unreal- and you th- but you think like no but i'm different and i'm gonna like actually do this and it's just like be patient with yourself trust the process and and you know fail a lot and the final question is when everything's said and done hundred years later and they have it written on the tombstone um they're gonna say nolan was blank 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 type of person i you know what they're just gonna say that i was really curious you know yeah they're just gonna that's i think that that's what it is and and i want to like kind of just continue to lean into to my curiosity because it's it's gotten me into some pretty cool places and i've met some cool people and and um I'm I'm happy and I'm enjoying my life and and uh, but I, I the, the funny thing is is like legacy is so funny because it's like I think we spend a lot of time on Earth like obsessing about like how we're gonna be remembered but it's like I saw somebody put this say this the other day too and they were like Betty White was like a fucking massive celebrity that did like all kinds of shit and it's been like three months since she died and like no one gives a fuck you know what I mean yeah so mm-hmm. it's like I'm not obsessed with people remembering me either I think that it's more about just like doing the best that I can do with each day that I'm given leaning into like all the people around me, loving on the people around me, supporting the people around me. I really want to make an effort to like call out individual greatness in like each person that I come across. Because I think sometimes it's like we all are so uniquely gifted and so wonderful at whatever it is that we're wonderful at, but we're battling with ourselves and kind of, trying to believe it ourselves. So it's like, I want to be a vessel to like a mirror. So like I can see that in other people. And if I see it to call it out in them, it's final with Nolan. And with that being said, everybody, uh, Nolan, thanks for being on. Love you, man. Thank you for having us, Nolan. Bro. Thank you guys for having me. Hell yeah. And everybody tuning in. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. Don't forget to subscribe. Uh, Check us on, check us out on YouTube. Check us out on all, podcast platforms and thank you always persistence culture media group uh we love you until next time pep talk we pep out talk, pep talk 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 pep talk